0: Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and we're pleased to have you back for another season. Fall camp right around the corner, Pac-12 Media Day in the books. I'm joined right now by site publisher Chris Cartman. Chris, how are you today?
1: I'm doing wonderful, Rob. I'm glad to uh, be kicking these podcasts off again.
0: Yeah, I am as well, and let's jump right into it. We're going to be talking today about the Pac-12 Media Day, the depth chart, breaking down each position a little bit, and and the recruiting cycle and how how that's been going for ASU and going for first-year coach Herm Edwards as he embarks on his first year with this new program. But Chris, you were in Hollywood, you were at Pac-12 Media Day covering the event, and this is the first year since the, the league expanded in 2011 that ASU was picked to finish last in the Pac-12 South.
1: Yeah, uh, I was a little bit surprised by the last place finish. I thought ASU would would be probably fifth maybe fourth but um i think that's a herm herm edwards sort of bias you look at uh historically asu's outperformed it's it's uh, standing in the poll i think only two years since 2011 it's done worse than it was forecast um and the rest it's basically been the same or better um part of that probably is just a a um just the weight of the media in California and how that sort of benefits um, UCLA or, or other teams mm-hmm. in, in California. But then um, I just look at the, the rosters and what teams have coming back and how they performed last season. And ASU was six wins last year in the conference and finished second in the South. And and, and you have Manny Wilkins, kill Harry, Kyle Williams – you get Casey Tucker as a transfer, plus four guys who work, have starting experience along the offensive line. There's just a, um, uh, a lot of pieces there. And and really, people say, well, this is a big change for ASU. Maybe that's the reason that they'll drop off, because they're, they are have new coordinators and all that. Well, they had that last year. Last year, there was a big change defensively with Phil Bennett. I felt like the team in spring ball was... was Maybe even behind where it is, where it was this year in spring ball, um, and and of course Billy Napier ran a very different offense from the one previously. So um, I, I just I don't really see you know I, I picked ASU to finish third. I totally understand having Arizona ahead of ASU because the schedule is better. They miss they miss um, I think Washington and Stanford, and mm-hmm. they get Oregon at home. That's that's a big advantage. I totally understand, but I really think that Khalil Tate's adjustment is is going to be maybe even harder than Manny Wilkins because he was in an offense that was extremely tailor made for him under Rich Rodriguez. And not not to say that um, there hasn't been success with Kevin Sumlin and Noel Mazzoni with quarterbacks at Texas A and M, but the guy that that most approximated. Khalil Tate, even though he's a bigger, better version, um, didn't end up being able to hold on to the starting job at Texas A&M. And and, and there was some volatility there at that position. So I, I think that might be more of a more of a change. And I like ASU's overall talent that's returning better than Arizona. So that's sort of just a, a, a walk into my thought process.
0: And you mentioned how ASU has typically finished ahead of its preseason poll projection, only twice in the last seven seasons did, did ASU underperform where they were picked in the poll. And with the roster uh, advantages that you mentioned, you know, having Manny Wilkins, a multi-year starter, one of the best wide receiver duos, in Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams in the league, and some of the other factors you mentioned on the offensive line, defensively, it seems like this is more of a slight on Herm Edwards than ASU in general.
1: Yeah, well, I just think that uh, and understandably so, people have a "show me" type type of a viewpoint when it comes to Herm Edwards. But um, he, you know, the weaknesses of Herm Edwards, I think, are things that would would tend to impact a college program more over the long term than the short term. Uh, he's a player's coach. Uh, he's someone that that uh, people are going to enjoy playing for, especially. In the for in the short term, uh, he's someone that is good at motivating and encouraging. And I think guys were tired of of Todd Graham and just his approach, and they were just kind of worn out uh, with his personality type. So I think there's like a, you know, guys are kind of refreshed and energized. You know, players that weren't maybe starting feel like they're getting a, a, a fresh out of eyes evaluating them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the challenges of Edwards are more like, okay, he's never been a coordinator, so how does that, you know, how does he help the coordinators with figuring out what's best uh, for ASU's personnel and play calling and and being able to at a high level weigh in and influence those things, and then and then uh, as important or more so maybe even is he doesn't he's never. You know, or at least since 1987, which is basically you know a different world. Uh, he he hasn't had any experience coaching in college football mm-hmm. or recruiting at this level, and there are that's very it's very uh, um, experience driven in terms of who's likely to be successful in those uh, uh, in those ways. And so I think that that has a ten, a chance to impact the roster. Uh, over more over the long term, and and just the, the just the program continuity and all the little things that go into being a successful head coach at the college level. And so the first year is actually I don't know. To me, it, it seems like he's only going to get more experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and um, but the first year, I, I don't think that he's going to have any you know major influence on anything that was schematically or on the field would would weigh ASU down. I just don't see that.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's a few articles on our site about the Pac-12 media poll. Chris wrote his Pac-12 media ballot a few days before the event, and there's an article recapping where ASU finished in the poll and some historical trends, some notes on the poll. Washington was picked to win the North handily and then projected to win the league championship game. And the five other teams in the South all received at least one first-place vote, obviously, except for Arizona State. Arizona State was without a vote. Herm Edwards talked about how the offense in this year is going to have to be the the difference maker. And one of the things that's going to carry the team He said, quote, offensively, I mean, we're going to be driven by our offense. A lot of veterans, there's a veteran presence over there. Obviously, you have a quarterback like Manny Wilkins. You have a receiver like Nikhil. You've got some linemen with some veteran presence. Defensively, I think we've progressed. We will still have to continue to progress. With that being said, it's a new system for players to learn. And Chris, we've talked about this, but... It seems like the offense is going to be one of the strengths, and Manny Wilkins, he's on his fourth offensive coordinator in four years, but he said it at Pac-12 Media Day that he doesn't think that's going to stop him at all, and he's not using that as an excuse.
1: Yeah, there's just no no substitute for experience, and um, I think if anything, Manny Wilkins has the ability to accelerate through a transition to a new offensive coordinator because of everything that he's been through to this point uh, with having three previous coordinators and, 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 and also the way that helps get the rest of the team sort of assimilated to what they're trying to do schematically and, and just also from a, uh, a best practices standpoint, like mm-hmm. their habits and the way that they conducted their off season workouts, uh, the player led practices and all of that. And, of course, Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams. They, that really helps you out quite a bit, right? It's not if you just had if you just had Randy Wilkins and and didn't have the, the 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 talent pieces to get the ball to. Well, that would be a lot different. But uh, when you have uh, the the ASU has two receivers who are um, ranked higher collectively by Pro Football Focus than any other team in the league as far as the the returning. Tandem, and I think Kyle Williams is probably one of the most overlooked players in in the Pac-12, one of the most underrated in the Pac-12, uh, entering this season. So, um, and then the other thing that that works well in ASU's favor in this regard is the experience that Rob Likens has, because um, mm-hmm. when you're when you're a new coordinator uh, and, and you don't know your personnel, that's a much bigger challenge than when you already have a year of knowing your personnel. Right? So mm-hmm. so I actually think that, that there was a steeper bar for uh, Billy Napier, for Chip Lindsey, and than there, there will be this year for Rob Likens. And Herm Edwards said at Media Day, hey, we're building the, the offense around Manny Wilkins because he deserves that, and a lot of things aren't going to be changed too much uh, to benefit him. I think where we saw him really grow and develop the most last year was his down-the-field accuracy, Mm -hmm. uh he's he's leading the pac-12 in in downfield uh uh success Mm -hmm. by pro football focus's grading system uh and the the previous year there was a lot of missed opportunities in that regard when when the kill harry was a freshman and they just really uh were able to get all totally in sync with some of the big play shots and then also manny wilkins Set the school record last year for the most uh, uh, pass attempts without an interception, which showed me that that he's uh, he's his decision making has consistently improved, uh, and that's not just with avoiding putting the ball in jeopardy. But that's also how he didn't get injured, and he was right. smarter with choosing when to evade the pocket and all that. So um, th- there's no substitute for experience. Uh, Manny Wilkins is. is uh, in a league that has repl- has to, re- to replace a lot of quarterbacks, especially in the South, and uh, that dynamic, uh, I think that, that that's something that really will uh, benefit ASU through the
0: season. Mm-hmm. So ASU picked to finish sixth in the South, final spot. First time since 2011, since the league was expanded, that, that is the case. Now we're going to head into more of a position-by-position breakdown right before fall camp, and this is how it looked for the spring game, this was the first-team offense. It was Manny Wilkins at quarterback, Treylon Smith at running back, Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams at wide receiver, CJ Frenchlove and Tommy Hudson at tight end, Tyson Rising at left tackle, Alex Ossoy at left guard, Cole Cabral, Steve Miller, and Quinn Bailey from center to right tackle. That was the first-team offense. The first-team defense was Jalen Bates at defensive end, Rennell Wren at defensive tackle, a little mix of Darius Slade and Shannon Vorman at defensive end. Malik Lawal at outside linebacker, and it's important to note there that Karan Crump was out for the spring game. Kalen Thomas, middle linebacker. J.J. Wilson was an outside linebacker. Evan Fields was the Tillman position. Jalen Harvey at boundary ranger safety. Langston Frederick at field ranger safety. Taron Adams at boundary cornerback. And Kobe Williams at field cornerback. So the depth chart, let's start right with quarterback Chris and Manny Wilkins is the obvious starter, you know, nothing nothing new there. But the backup, Dylan Sterling-Cole, looks like he might be the only backup that's really able to position himself to, to help Manny Wilkins in case anything were to go haywire.
1: Right, so the quarterback situation is a little bit fraught because after Sterling-Cole, there, there's no scholarship quarterback who's really healthy entering the season. Ryan Kelly had uh, surgery during spring ball. He had had some arm trouble. Uh, really for the past couple years that they tried to figure out a way to resolve and weren't able to. And my sources are are telling me that he's not going to be ready at the outset of the season. You don't want to go into any year with just two healthy scholarship quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Ace explored the idea of bringing in, you know, some other junior college player or maybe uh, another walk on transfer. They they have Kevin Brown, uh, who I believe was a freshman last year walk-on, but mm-hmm. uh, in, in the event that they have a third quarterback, that's a, that would be a catastrophic situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you kind of prepare an emergency plan? Do you think Herm Edwards or Rob Likens has a plan right now for in case something were to happen to both quarterbacks, if there's anybody on the roster that would be the, the other quarterback other than, other than Kevin Brown?
1: Well, as I was saying, um, th- they— they were talking about adding somebody else mm-hmm. i don't know of anybody else that they decided to add for the outset of fall camp um and that's not been reported elsewhere so um you know there, there may be somebody else that they have that they're bringing in as a walk-on a possibility but like, let's be honest um it doesn't it, like it doesn't really matter like there's not going to be any walk-on that they're going to add mm-hmm. <laughs> before the start of camp that's going to be able to play successfully in the Pac-12. I mean, I I, I can't say that, you know, that it's not even possible, but it's just, you know, so unlikely that it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, there's no, you know, there's no chance that you would, that you would ever expect that to happen. Um, So, and there's no way that you planned for that. Like they're not going to be giving some third quarterback a bunch of reps, Mm -hmm. like to get them ready. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, there's no way that's going to happen.
0: Mm Moving on from the quarterback position, uh, the next position we're going to talk about is running back, and Sun Devils are without two guys that were very important the past few years, and Kalen Bellage and Demario Richard, two workhorses for the Sun Devils the, the, the past few years. This year, Eno Benjamin looks like he's going to be in that starting role. He was not in the spring game because of an injury. He's got Treylon Smith backing him up, and then it seems like there's some freshmen, Chris, that have a chance to maybe, maybe do some things.
1: Right, so... I'm reasonably confident that as long as he's healthy, Benjamin is going to be the guy uh, who gets uh, at least a plurality of the reps at running back for ASU. Uh, Lon Smith is more of a, a uh, change of pace guy, but somebody I think who who's can run effectively inside for being a little more diminutive in, in his stature. And he's actually well put together, probably around 190 pounds or so. Uh, I think they really loaded up. At at running back in this recruiting class and the guys that probably have the best chance of playing right away Would be Brock Sturgis and AJ Carter two bigger bodied freshmen I think Sturgis just the fact that he's from Texas high school football played play to Allen and really at the highest level um, He's well positioned AJ Carter's probably one of the more talented offensive uh, recruits that they signed in the class Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I could really see either one of those guys stepping into a a, a pretty decent role.
0: Moving on from running back to offensive line, the Sun Devils are returning four guys with starting experience on that offensive line. Zach Robertson, Quinn Bailey, Cole Cabral, and Stephen Miller. Chris, they also got uh, a post-grad transfer in Casey Tucker that we talked about on this podcast as being a guy that could potentially really help out this offensive line as he could be playing the left tackle spot and Roy Hemsley, another another transfer they got from USC. What do you think about the offensive line group holistically?
1: Well, it, it's top-heavy, uh, but they have a lot of experience and they have veteran presence uh, across the board, really. Uh, Cole Cabral moving to center is probably in his best interest, especially long-term. Casey Tucker is, is the guy that they're pegging to play left tackle. Uh, Steve Miller, I think, is an NFL upside player who is very good. Against the pass last year, I don't think he gave up a sack. Um, still evolving as a run blocker. Uh, Quinn Bailey is one of their most experienced players and probably going to end up their right tackle. In the spring, they were just really thin. Alex Lasoya was maybe their next guy and uh, after those four, and, and mm-hmm. he was with the first team uh, quite a bit at left guard, and then Tyson Rising. It was a left tackle who had been injured a fair amount in his career prior, uh, even took a redshirt year out of junior college, but he probably is going to end up in a, in a backup role. So I think the key thing is, is uh, that they could say injury-free and then they can develop the, the incoming uh, crop of freshmen that they have um, to get those guys ready for the following year. I think those are the two, two key things for ASU to be successful.
0: And moving on to the tight end group, Tommy Hudson and C.J. Franchi both saw some time last year. We've talked about the potential of Mark Walton, and we saw it, it looked like some of his uh, evolving, some of his development in in the spring. What do you see from the tight ends, and do you think they could be a little more involved this year with with tight end coach Donny Antis?
1: Right. So I think there's continuity at the tight end position, but the, the talent there was underwhelming. Last year, average in the league. Uh, they have to say, uh, QJ Love is, is someone who took that transitional year, kind of learned what playing in the Pac-12 was all about. I think he's gotten bigger and stronger uh, in the winter program and looked a little bit more the part um, in spring ball. And and Tommy Hudson's a guy who uh, didn't really have great direction from a, a coaching standpoint in terms of how they were going to use them, what they wanted for him, and so maybe mm-hmm. this helps him with getting. Consistency with Donnie I, I do believe Mark Walton, uh, among the red shirts, he's one of the guys that probably has um, more potential uh, and he's and a big body kid who can move and, and, and bend well, um, but he's further along from a receiving standpoint than he is as a blocker and handling that in the box stuff is something that he's going to uh, have to continue
0: to, to develop. And then transitioning to the, the final offensive group and that is the wide receiver group. It seems like this is a loaded group, with Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams obviously leading it as as two guys that were one of the best tandems in the Pac twelve last year and looking to do so again this year. But there's some guys, Frank Darby, Terrell Chapman, Curtis Hodges that are you know, I'm curious to see what they're able to do and, and what they're able to make out of this group.
1: So I think ASU is really talented at the top of their wide receiver group. Obviously, with the, the Kill and Kyle Williams, but beyond that, I think there's still some question marks. Um, the, the talent is there. It's just it's not not been really consistent. Uh, Frank Darby has been this uh, big play threat, but mm-hmm. uh, when, when he comes into the game, people know. Like, okay, their, ASU's going to go deep here, frankly, in the game. Um, so he needs to become a, a more versatile player. Terrell Chapman has the talent, but he, it's never... Been able to really kind of come through mm-hmm. and allow him to get onto the field. So those guys are 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 battling at that Z position, which is on the other side of the field from Nikhil Harry. Um, I think the other guys that have a chance to maybe break through and start Brandon Ayuk is a junior college transfer. Mm-hmm. I like I liked him a lot on film. His size is good. Um, I think when they go to four wide receivers in 10 personnel, mm-hmm. that's when you have a chance to see, uh, you know, Ryan Jenkins play or Ryan Newtham mm-hmm. play more. Um, and and then I think you have a couple other guys more like specialists, like Curtis Hodges is probably a red zone mm-hmm. type of a guy.
0: Um, but
1: you know, definitely top heavy, but some other guys that have the talent to maybe break out.
0: Yeah. And moving from offense to defense, uh, in this new system that's going to be in place for Danny Gonzalez coming from San Diego State to Arizona State, Shannon Foreman, and Ronell Wren, and Jalen Bates, those are guys that that, um, got time in the spring a lot with the first team, and some of the guys that are going to be trying to make an impact is there's also Darius Slade going to be joining that offensive line, the transfer from Ohio State. What do you think about the defensive line?
1: you know, should be a star player and he's underperformed to this point in his career. I don't think he realizes, or maybe he does realize, but doesn't have the, the, the wherewithal to be able to match that with, uh, great habits on a daily basis that bring it out. Uh, and, and maybe he, maybe he gets that this year. I mean, this is somebody who should be an NFL starter, he's strong as an ox. He has a chance to anchor that defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very different schematically and what you how you would use personnel mm-hmm. from the previous scheme so so you want more guys that are kind of defensive end types in this defense and not as many you know bigger body tackles and that's not the way the roster is sort of put together mm-hmm. Shannon Foreman is a bigger guy Jordan Hoyt is a bigger guy um, and and George Lee is a bigger guy right but but those three, you're not going to be able to start, you know, even two of them along with Rennell Wren. So uh, their ends, uh, I'm going to be really watching closely in fall camp and beyond. They love what Jalen Bates has given them. He's Mm -hmm. lost 30 pounds. He's in the best shape of his life. Uh, Definitely a really good athlete, but he's been more of a pass rusher than than a guy who's holds up against the run. So he's going to have to show that that overall balance, um, and then I think Darius Slade, athletically, he's pretty impressive, but mm-hmm. he's very early from a skill development standpoint, despite being an older guy. Um, and then we'll see if anybody else sort of pops. Like Doug Soultel actually finished Springball r- really well, and mm-hmm. I think that he, I think that he has a chance. Um, you know, and and maybe DJ Davidson is like a wild card. I, I like where he projects long term. It just he may not be able to uh, to spell Renell
0: Wren right now, mm-hmm. and the the outside linebackers with J Wilson and Karan Crump both coming back in a way. J.J. Wilson coming back from his his first little stint playing defense, and Karan Crump returning from an ACL the ACL tear. It seems like those two could really form a nice tandem at the linebacker spot in a, in a group that you know has some changes obviously with losing DJ Calhoun and Christian Sam from a year ago.
1: Yeah. I think JJ Wilson will be like one of the most improved players on the team Uh, that a lot of guys didn't really work out switching from one side of the ball to the other under Todd Graham. But JJ Wilson is one guy who definitely it's, it's working out and um, they expect that he could be an all league player and a linebacker, there's a whole lot of talent in the pack 12 that that could make it tough for that to happen. Crump, Crump, I think we'll have to see exactly where he's at coming back from the ACL injury. Uh, at a minimum, I anticipate he'll be a very good pass rusher as a, as a sub package guy. And, you know, but will he be able to be a full service linebacker and play against the run mm-hmm. and have the explosiveness that he had? You know, I think that's a question mark, but, um, you know, they, it's not like they have a whole bunch of depth there. Uh, Malik Lawal is a guy that I've liked for quite a while, and, and he has a chance um, to be successful. Um, you know, and then there's I think they're going to have to probably rely on some newcomers. There's no
0: doubt. And in terms of the inside linebacker position, Nick Ralston and Kalen Thomas were two guys battling in the spring for that position. True freshman Merlin Robertson is a talented player, and we expect him to, to make at least – uh, uh, c- competition at that spot. What do you think about that inside linebacker position, Chris?
1: That's one of the bigger question marks on the team. Ralston's a really smart player and tough, physical kid. Um, is he going to have the the athleticism to really pop at, at this level? Kaitlin Thomas has a lot of potential, and we'll see what happens. Uh, if he can kind of put that all together. I think he's also got some pretty good instincts for the position. Merlin Robertson, it, it, to me, it's going to be hard to see him not ending up playing a lot for this team as one of its linebackers. And how quickly he assimilates is is going to be one of the keys because I, I would say that this middle linebacker position is one of the bigger question marks on the team.
0: Mm-hmm. And with the defensive backs, Chase Lucas and Kobe Williams uh, return as starters, you know, a boundary side corner and field side corner, those two guys seem pretty steady in their positions but the safety position you mentioned Chris is a little bit more up in the air and is one of the bigger question marks on this team as well as the inside linebacker role that we're talking about Jalen Harvey and Evan Fields I feel like both of those guys need to be very solid for this group to do very well
1: well you know I'm not sure about that I think um, I think there's a good chance that uh, just Langston Frederick plays well and maybe they reconfigure their their safeties I, I could see Joey Bryant moving over to safety because Chase Lucas and, and Kobe Williams are very are very solid, good players. I think Chase Lucas has a chance to become an all-league player before he's done in a first or second-round draft pick. Uh, Kobe Williams is really steady. Um, I think Banks Frederick maybe was their, their, their most consistent safety in the spring. And that's this is another place where you could see some freshmen impact the depth chart. Like Ashari Crosswell is a, is a really good example. But I think there's no doubt, Rob, as you said, middle linebacker and safety, that, 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 that middle heart of the defense is where they're, the biggest question marks are.
0: And you just mentioned it briefly, though, by talking about Ashari Crosswell. Who are some of the incoming freshmen that you think could compete right away for a starting job or at least compete to be on the field?
1: Well, I don't think it's a surprise that the the, the most likely would be Merlin Robertson and, and Crosswell. Um, those were, you know, two of ASU's highest ranked guys mm-hmm. from a recruiting standpoint, um, and so that's why I anticipate that they'll they'll definitely be in the mix, especially because they're at positions where, frankly, ASU's not as talented and not as established. And then I mentioned Brandon Ayuk uh, on the offensive side of the ball, as a junior college player. Mm-hmm. Think that he'll, you know, very likely be in the depth chart, have a chance to be a starter. Certainly, the the two Division One transfers that ASU is bringing in, um, postgraduate from Stanford and USC, Casey Tucker, mm-hmm. Roy Hemsley, I mean, those guys are going to probably play. Especially Casey Tucker will probably start. So, um, I mean, those are the most likely. And then you have, you know, there's some other guys that. You know, Herm Edwards keeps saying, well, "I think like you know, we're gonna get eight, ten, twelve, you know, players who are gonna be able to play." Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, I think that's probably not true. Uh, I do believe that um, one of the things that that Danny Gonzalez said that I really agree on is the f- the f- the further away you are from the line of scrimmage, uh, the more chance that you're gonna have to actually play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so look for. The, the running backs, like I said earlier, Brock Sturgis mm-hmm. and and AJ Carter. I mean, those guys. Um, you know, just ASU's lack of depth at running back is is an advantage. I think running back is where guys can play early. Um, Jarrett Bell. I mean, they, they they're talking about him. You know, like maybe a guy can come in and play. It's really hard for a true freshman offensive lineman to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, maybe there's a chance he's physically he's, he's, he's pretty far along. So that gives him a chance. Um, and then I think, um, some sleeper guys that might be able to play right away. Jermaine Lole, the, the defensive lineman from Long Beach Poly. Mm -hmm. I think he's well suited for the scheme, which that, that really kind of could help him. Um, Of course, Taron Adams is a defensive back who has a chance to be their their third corner and maybe um, in sub-packages, maybe play more. Uh, And um, then they had at safety, they had Dominique Harrison as a second-team guy in the spring. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's able to push up and play. And then Isaiah Floyd is someone that I think as a junior college transfer uh, with – three years of eligibility, he might be able to impact on special teams in particular right away.
0: And it seems like the special teams might be one of the more consistent areas for this Arizona state team with, with continuity from last year. And I mean, I I think that, and I know that Herm Edwards has talked about how there's three phases to a team and how that is an important element. And do you see that as being one of the more solid groups?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, um, Sean Slocum is back. Sean Slocum has, you know, done a pretty good job at ASU and they've had very good specialists in particular. Uh, I think they're, you know, Brandon Ruiz, uh, freshman year, he flashed great potential, Um, missed some some kicks, but I think he's going to be a really solid guy. And then in, in Sleep Dalton, they have a punter who, uh, you know, he was you know, using his wrong foot to punt uh, last year, even though he's a two-foot punter from Australia because he had an injury. So that, that definitely affected him. And as long as he's healthy, though, I think he's going to trend in the, in the direction of being one of the better punters in the league over the next two years. So uh, we know that, that uh, some of their coverage units have been pretty good. Uh, they're going to get a lot of touchbacks. Uh, where they need to, to be better, where they can be a lot better, is in their return game. And I think mm-hmm. some of the personnel that they've added recruiting uh, could could perhaps enable them to move in that direction.
0: Yeah, and, and moving toward the recruiting, Arizona State in, recently in, in June racked up an unprecedented eight commitments in June that month, turning a 2019 class that just a few weeks ago included no players at all into one that is now perhaps about a third full. There's an article on our site about that and more mentions of that and more in-depth analysis of that in the Devil Sanctuary Board. Uh, but Chris, it seems like Herm Edwards and, and his staff had have done a really good job, at least at the beginning of this, of this early signing period, in trying to sign players that can help out in 2019 and beyond. Right. So
1: basically what happened is that they have this, uh, for the first time ever, these official visits that could take place from late April uh, through June. And um, and they, you know, basically ended up with a bunch of commitments out of that. The, the process continues to accelerate from a recruiting standpoint with the early signing period and more teams taking guys earlier. So ASU, you know, they, they jumped in with that. And a lot of the guys that they took weren't guys that they uh, were competing against uh, other Pac-12 schools for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they decided that they were going to trust their evaluations. They went after some guys that are younger and or haven't been playing football as long or maybe just were somewhat underlooked. They get the two quarterbacks, Joey Yellen and Nathan Long. I think Ethan Long a really impressive athlete who's really only scratched on the surface of what he could be as a quarterback. He was getting recruited by Colorado as a linebacker. He had an offer. And Joey Yellen's a really, really smart, heady, solid player. Um, and so, you know, they were going to get with new, with just kind of their whole coaching change and, and Rob Likens movement to coach quarterbacks, they were going to get one of the top ranked quarterbacks in the league but quarterback evaluating is is really speculative so i think mean, they have a chance there and then um, what they did they, they know they need a big class along the offensive line and so they they've kind of gotten out to a, a start there by taking some guys mm-hmm. that they think were undervalued ladarius henderson is you know he's a you know, he skipped a grade in elementary school, and um, he's really only been playing football seriously for two years. He's gained eighty pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, um, and then they added a, 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 a local guy, Roman Dewey. Duice. He's basically, um, you know, in that same kind of a mold, a guy who who skipped a grade when he was younger. Really, he's only been playing football seriously for a few years. Um, and then, you know, they've they've uh, they took Andre Johnson, who's a local receiver with upside. They, uh, Ricky Persall, who's a local receiver that I think was kind of overlooked uh, from a recruiting standpoint. And a couple kids from Texas uh, who are you know on the offensive side, skill wise. Nolan Matthews is a tight end. Jordan Kirkley uh, also tied the arm a safety from Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. So those were some of the initial thoughts of Chris Cartman on the recruiting in this new early signing period. Chris Cartman does a great job. He's been doing lots of player capsules on the site. Those are available on SunDevilSource.com. Player capsules, grades for each player, and then we will have a premium podcast coming out for you guys next week, so be sure to tune in for that. We're very excited to bring you coverage of another season of Arizona State Athletics, starting with the first season of football under the new head coach, Herm Edwards. Right now, alongside Chris Cartman, the site publisher, I'm Rob Warner saying so long, and thank you for tuning in.